0: Let's take a quick look at what we've just learned over the past 18 episodes. First, we learned that the Minor Arcana are the 40 numbered cards and the court cards that represent our everyday lives. Their suits are separated into different energies, fire, water, air, and earth, which we can translate into our actions, emotions, thoughts, and security. Next, we learned that the numbers represent where those energies are in time, whether something has just begun or will soon end. We walked through each card together and recently explored the different people and personas in the court cards. Now, we're ready to move on to the major arcana, the most popular suit in the deck. The major arcana represent benevolent and malevolent forces that appear in our lives without warning. They can show up as people or events. Pulling many majors for a spread signifies a bigger story than the questioner may have realized. However, this doesn't mean the minor arcana represent the boring aspects of everyday life. More often have I seen the two of cups reflect the notion of love than the lovers, The Two of Cups is a minor arcana and represents your subjective feelings about another. The Lovers is a magnetic pull towards something. Though they're similar in tone, the Two of Cups can live in everyday life. But the Lovers is a greater force represented by an archetype. An archetype is the Platonic concept of pure form believed to embody the fundamental characteristics of a thing. Archetypes are collectively inherited unconscious ideas, a pattern of thought or an image, along with the recurrence of these same characters or ideas that share similar traits throughout various seemingly unrelated circumstances in classic storytelling, media, and mythology. In other words, archetypes are characters, concepts, instincts, or behavior that appear cross-culturally. Let's consider the archetype of death. We're all aware of death, even if you haven't lost anyone close to you, you know someone who has. We see it daily everywhere, on the news, in movies and video games, and even in our own neighborhoods. However, Losing your life is only one face of the archetype of death. We experience death upon any loss. Certain relationships, comforts, habits, and earnings can go through drastic and painful changes. Let's compare the Five of Cups to the archetype of death. Both have a somber tone and seem to share the energy of pain and loss. But the Five of Cups is the human experience of rumination over past mistakes or stars never crossing. Death is a painful change or difficult transition that you can't escape. We'll go deeper into the archetypes when we explore the majors individually, but let's now turn to The Fool's Journey. The Fool's Journey introduces us to the archetypes of life. These archetypes can appear at any time, but we can also experience them as stages of evolution. The word fool in modern tarot is interchangeable with the word spirit or soul. Within the tarot community, it's believed that only a fool could think they're capable of handling such chaotic ups and downs throughout a lifetime. Therefore, we must all be on a fool's journey. As I walk us through the fool's journey... I'll use the word fool instead of the word spirit or soul. Feel free to put the major arcana of your deck together in order and follow the journey as I move through each archetype. I've kept strength in position 8 and justice in position 11. I also see the fool's journey beginning before birth, and I wanted to mention that I'm not making any political statements starting the journey here. I'm only expressing my understanding and analysis of the archetypes. The Fool's journey begins when the Fool chooses to live as a human being. Whatever their reason to materialize, the Fool crosses over and descends onto the physical plane to merge with a forming fetus. While in the womb, the Fool first meets the magician and the high priestess, their brain and their body. These two figures are the Fool's earthly vehicle, how they'll perceive and navigate the material plane. The magician and the high priestess will physically grow with the fool over the first two decades of life, but they also have the potential to grow on a conscious level throughout the fool's lifetime. On the day of their birth, the fool passes through the mother and meets the empress and the emperor. These two figures are the spirit's caretakers, the provider and the protector. The empress is the provider, focusing on the fool's physical and emotional needs. The emperor is the protector, offering mentorship and discipline for the fool's development. After a few years of life, the fool becomes aware of the hierophant. The Hierophant is in the background from the moment the Fool is born. This archetype is enmeshed in our religion, tradition, values, and education. Once the Fool is considered old enough, they're sent to the Hierophant to absorb the morals and expectations of their society. The Fool pledges allegiance to these beliefs, wanting to be seen as good in the eyes of their community and God. After a few more years, the fool is surprised by the archetype of the lovers, falling in love for the very first time. It could be their first romantic spark, or strongly connecting with an art form or skill. This discovery of non-familial love revitalizes their decision to live a human life. Communal values are no longer the priority, as the fool willingly makes any concessions for their beloved doing everything they can to continue this exciting energy. Out of the emboldening flames of love springs fortitude and direction. Invoking the archetype of the chariot, the fool can now strike out on their own. They know what they want and won't let anything get in their way. This enthusiasm and drive can only last so long. The fool must tap into their willpower, the endurance needed to press on and succeed. They'll have to call upon the archetype of strength to get them through long phases of trials and tribulations. But even our endurance has a limit. Eventually, the fool must meet with the archetype, the hermit, for guidance. Should they continue making the same choices, or is there a better way? The Fool searches their soul, questioning their ego and priorities. Finally, the Fool comes to a resolution, feeling open to changes. The Fool spins the Wheel of Fortune and allows life to take its course. Based on the Fool's karma from the seeds they've sown so far, the Wheel will bring about life changes that may appear complementary or challenging. Once these changes have settled, the Fool begins to honestly and objectively consider their behavior, hoping to improve their karma. The Fool realizes that not only is karma present in their big choices, but karma must be present in everyday choices too. The Fool has come face to face with the archetype Justice, ready to define their boundaries of right and wrong. Merging with justice allows the fool to be the change they wish to see in society. Once those boundaries are defined, the fool can no longer see the world in the same way as before. Stuck between moral perfection and human failure, they're held suspended by the archetype of the hanged man. The truth becomes murky as the fool learns that logic also has its limits. Unsure of what's best, the fool waits in limbo for more information. The fool eventually gets an answer that leaves them in terrible pain. A change is taking place, one they've been resisting. The archetype death is marching through their life, grabbing what was once extremely important and necessary to the fool. The fool is learning to accept life on life's terms, and that nothing lasts forever. Out of this pain comes healing. The archetype temperance has now graced the fool's presence. The fool is no longer afraid of death, and can imagine their life as whole and balanced. The fool wants to live a long and healthy life. So, they take steps to improve their mind, body, and spirit. Temperance infuses the fool with optimism and patience. Though parts of the fool have healed, they still feel controlled by an outside force. The fool discovers they're still trapped by the contracts they've signed with the archetype of the devil. Their mind and body feel hijacked, unsure of how to break free. The fool remains this way until the explosion of the tower. The catastrophe or shock makes it impossible for the fool to turn away any longer. The tower destroys the lies they've built that keep them weak and dependent. The fool must face reality, no matter how overwhelming it may feel. The fool has now matured enough to embrace the archetype of the star, which offers total rejuvenation. The Fool has finally connected with their authenticity and humility. Having shed the competitive and comparative nature of the ego, the Fool can now acknowledge and empathize with everyone's struggle for peace. Though their soul is now aligned with their ego, The fool's final trial is to resolve their troubling past. Trauma, a previous love, or even a past lifetime could cloud the fool's mind, making it impossible to tell what's real and what's an illusion. They must call forth the archetype of the moon to settle confusing triggers or feelings. Resolving their past leads the fool to the joy and warmth of the sun. The fool radiates this same energy, fueled by the glow of their inner star. They feel happy with their own unique spirit. Loneliness and depression have vanished as they no longer need others' praise to validate them. They're now able to tap into self-love and happiness on their own. This glorious conclusion brings about the archetype of judgment. Though the fool feels one with themselves, they still long for meaning and purpose. The fool feels called to give back to society, helping others along their own fool's journey. They walk back through the archetypes to the ones they feel most connected to, assisting those who may struggle there. Finally, the fool meets the archetype of the world, signaling the end of the journey. The fool has experienced everything possible at this level. Spiritual graduation is now underway. The fool may now move on to their next journey of self-discovery and evolution. Exercise number five. I hope you've been practicing with the 40 numbered minor arcana and are getting used to the basic interpretations, but now that we've explored the court cards, it's time we work with them too. Separate the 16 court cards from the deck and put them in a separate pile. There should be one pile of all 40 numbered minors and one of the court cards and just leave the majors behind. I still want you to pull a card from the 40 numbered minor arcana daily, but I also want you to pull a card from the pile of court cards. So pull one court card daily to see how this personality shows up in your day. You could find yourself acting as this character, meeting this character, or visiting a store or location that reminds you of this character. I also want you to think of anyone in your life that resembles this character. Next week, we'll meet the first seven cards of the Major Arcana. I hope to see you then. Blessed be.